FT Weekend Food and Drink is supported by Plymouth Gin. Hi, FT Weekend listeners. This is Lila. Welcome to the second episode of our four-part mini-series on food and drink. Today, I can't wait to introduce you to Aisha Nurjaya. She is the executive chef of two beloved New York restaurants, Shuka and Shuket, and she's an absolute expert at flavor. So she joined me in the New York studio to teach us how to taste. Okay, this is FT Weekend, the podcast special edition. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. Here's Aisha. Aisha, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So you're the executive chef and partner of one of my favorite restaurants in New York, Shuka. It's around the corner from the New York newsroom and the journalists here go all the time. Oh, that's amazing. Thank (laughs) Um, you. And also one of my new favorite restaurants, Shuket, both in Manhattan, both on the West Side. And I'd love to learn from you about flavor. But to start, I'm curious if we can go to Gravesend, Brooklyn, where you're from and learn a little bit about what it was like in the kitchen for you growing up. Sure. I have to say I was a very lucky kid growing up. My dad was a chef. Uh, he was a chef of a ship that transported liquid natural gas from America to Asian countries. My mother's Italian and my father's Indonesian. Mm. So it was like a battle of chopped every night. <laughs> and uh, my mother to this day is probably one of the best cooks that I know. Wow. And my dad introduced spice and flavors and things that my mother was never used to. And I think from a young age, I say they spiked my bottle with a little bit of turmeric. And I've had like <laughs> this thirst of knowledge about spices, how they transport, like, and what they do to food and flavor. And that's what we're here to talk about today. How would you describe the food you cook? I'm Greek and Armenian. It's very familiar to me, but it also feels kind of Lebanese, kind of Syrian, kind of Israeli. How do you how do you describe your food? But probably in the beginning of college, when you're like you have a mind of your own and you're like, oh, I'm going to try that. I always gravitated towards that type of food. Mm-hmm. My grandmother lived in Cobble Hill growing up and she just went to the butcher every day and she went to the store every day. And we would go to Atlantic Avenue and go to Damascus and Sahadis and yep. try kibbe and shawarma and their hummus. And she was an adventurous eater for someone who was born in 1921 mm. then. And I think maybe between that and my father's use of spices, I just always gravitated towards like those types of restaurants, Mediterranean, Middle Eastern. And when I got a chance to travel, those are the places that I wanted to go. Like, a, like people talk about Greek salad. Unless you're in Greece, eating those tomatoes, those cucumbers, the red onion, mm-hmm. that olive oil. I mean... It's impossible to it's make so, anywhere else. <laughs> right. And it's so delicious. Your skin feels good. You feel good. Uh-huh. It tastes like something you've never had before. Mm-hmm. And then as I traveled, uh, you know, I had the chance to go to Israel. I've been to Morocco and to Tunisia. You realize that it's the same seasonality using the same ingredients, but they, they're doing it their way. And I think when we talk about Shuka and Shuket, it's really my travels, my experiences on when you taste something, you're always like, wow, I wonder what it would be like if I did this, this and this. You know, I think that those are the cogs that work in a chef's head. Yeah. So when you say you taste something as a chef and you think, okay, what if I did it this way, what would what would it taste like? What would be an example of something that when you were traveling, you were like, oh, if I did this my way. Um, When I was in, did you have pan tomaca? In Spain, it's like the grated tomato. They usually take a crusty piece of good, Mm. delicious bread. Mm -hmm. And then they take a garlic clove and they scratch it on the bread so it gets in the nooks and crannies. And then on the side, they take a tomato and they grate it like on a box grater and add olive oil and salt and put that right on top of the piece of bread. Sometimes you'll find anchovies on top of it and sometimes um, 
uh, Serrano ham. When I tried, when I the first time I tasted that, I was like, "Wow, this grated tomato thing is amazing!" Like, what else could you put it in? And then when I went to Israel, they had it like a sauce, like a dipping sauce. Mm. Well, they were pairing it with meats. So when I came back and was at Shuka and Shuketa, I was like, "How could I get this on the menu? Could I put it just as a dipping sauce?" So we mixed it with tahini. Right now, we're serving Adana kebabs with that on the bottom. But I think it's like, how do you build upon these flavors or these things that are really simple? Yeah, and to suit the you know what you want to put out there. To say that's your own. Right, right. That sounds so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have so many questions for you, but um, just quickly, I'd love to hear your story. Like, how did you go from trying new foods growing up to executive chef of Shuka and and now Shuka? Sure. Um, I think it started when I moved out. I was 19 years old Mm -hmm. and I used to watch Lydia Bastianich on television and on PBS mm-hmm. when I was home, like my parents cooked and it was my first time that I moved out and my first time that I, that I would cook for myself. And I used to watch her on TV and I used to watch her hands and her gold bracelets and how everything she touched just looked so simple. At the time, like every parent, my parents wanted me to be a lawyer and I got into law school and I was working at a law firm. And one day I just realized like I was not feeling fulfilled. Yeah. So people say to you, do what you love. So I went home that day and on a piece of paper, I wrote diamonds Music and, and cooking in that order. And the next day I walked into the, uh, I went to the New York School of Gemology and I was like, how do you study diamonds? And the woman's like, that's not how it works. And I was like, forget that. Right. And when I said music, like I wanted to be, I still aspire to be like, you know, a really famous DJ like yeah. doing the pool parties at like the win in Las Vegas. Totally. But like, was that a career? It could have been, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't believe in myself and didn't know much about it. And third, I went to um, ICE when it was on 23rd and 6th Avenue Sorry, that's the Institute of Culinary Education. Education, yes. There was something about it. I was like, I can do this. I want to try this. And I called my mother and she was like, you're insane. And uh, I was like, okay, great. But I was going to keep, I kept my job and I worked nine to five and went to school from six to 10. And on the weekends, I worked at Felidia as an extern. I started Mm -hmm. there mopping the floor to like peeling carrots to doing dishes. And when I graduated from school, I got a job there. Mm -hmm. And that was like my lifetime achievement. You know what I mean? Here I was watching her on TV and now I'm cooking in her kitchen. Yeah. And it was the best, hardest job that I've ever had. Aisha, the thing that I love most about your food is it feels kind of like, this is an interpretation, but it feels kind of like maximalist cooking to me. Like, in maximalist design, you kind of go into a room and it's like cozy and approachable and welcoming. And also like there are a few different patterns together. So it seems busy, but somehow like it all makes sense. And you're like, how did they do that? Mm. <laughs> how does it? Lo- I love that aesthetic. And I feel that way about your food. Like it's just like there's so much flavor in it. There are so many spices in it. and You taste it and you're like, where? what is that thing that makes it so good? And so I want to know your secrets, sure. <laughs> whatever you're willing to tell yeah, us. Yeah, of course, of course. There are no secrets. I yeah. tell everybody all the time, like, you love it, I'll give you my recipe because <laughs> everybody makes things different and yeah. no two things are ever the same in this life. But I think it's trying to have a minimalist approach while layering flavors. So I think in a lot of times when I think about it, I think of like flavors that go good together. I think... If you notice in my cuisine, I do use a lot of spices, but I also use a lot of herbs. Yes. And I think herbs and spices go in tandem. A lot of times when I describe my food, it's almost like music. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to have high notes and low notes, but then you have to have that harmony in between that makes that thing go. Mm-hmm. So if you taste that apricot and it's not as sweet as you want it to be, what can you do as a vehicle to keep that acidity high, but also bring sweetness to it? 
So first thing that comes to me is honey. Yeah. So what are we doing with the honey now? Is the honey going to be a sweet honey? Is it going to be a savory honey? How can we make it herbaceous? How can we make it bright? I always like the bites of food to feel like the 4th of July in your mouth. You For know, sure. these like small mini explosions of flavor where each of those bites is different. Anyone that's dined with me knows like I'm the left side of the menu kind of girl. I want it all. I want to taste it. Yeah. And I don't want to commit to an entree. So when I thought about shuk and shuket, it was like, how do we... How could we eat in this convivial style and have all these little bites mm -hmm. that feel like composed dishes, but that you don't have to be bogged down to that commitment of an entree? Yeah. So I also think about that when I'm creating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. At Chouquette, there were sort of these incredible dips, like a labna dip that kind of changed my life. And <laughs> uh, and uh, and bread would come out and then and then bigger dishes were coming out and then sauces were coming out alongside those dishes. And it felt sort of like I had a little bit of control of like, okay, I've got the bread. I've got this labneh. It's so good. I've got this like this lamb that's really like, how do I, I'm going to dip this and this and this and this. And, and so everything felt different. That's all on purpose, I imagine. Yes, like what's the, yeah. yeah. I call how it the rip and dip. It? Okay. Like, that's what I call it. And, and, um, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you know how you have your first course and then they brush the table off and they clean it and they reset you and stuff. Yeah. Shukin Shuket is more of the kind of thing where you're like, no, 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 don't take that. Right. Because that sauce, like, for instance, you had that garlic sauce, the tomb. Yes. That is delicious. You can put that on the lebne. It goes on the chicken. Yeah. It goes that and the bread with a little bit of the hot sauce on the shata. You're done. That's a meal in itself. <laughs> right. So really, all the food is a, is meant to be eaten with each other. Mm -hmm. And none of it is meant to be like singularly. You could only have this bite and that bite alone. I guess I'm curious, Aisha, like how you develop your palate and like how we can develop ours basically sure. like as we're going out in restaurants and we taste something we love like how do you teach people to kind of like taste like to recognize what in it is exactly what they're right. loving and that kind of thing I think there's multiple ways of doing it but yeah. what's most important is to be open yeah. you know everybody people are like I don't eat peas or I don't eat asparagus and maybe you've had a bad crossing with it before. But when it comes to vegetables and salads and other things, I think you just have to be open to it. I think when you're eating out, like especially in in restaurants, like share mm -hmm. where you can taste different things and then take what you loved from that and try to replicate it at home. Yeah. Mimic the flavors of the things that you liked in that dish and cook them yeah. and see like kind of like how you can push it. When it comes to regular food, like push your palate, push your acidity, kind of push those boundaries of what it is in that food that you like. Okay, so I have a quick speed round for yes. you. Um, just My a favorite. few fun questions. Okay, what are a few things everyone should have in their kitchen? Peanut butter, <laughs> sea salt, and a range of beverages, alcoholic and non. <laughs> Not just water and red wine. Like you need like few flavored seltzers and good scotch. Kraft macaroni and cheese, though, I think is a, is a go-to for <laughs> that one bad night that you have and you need a hug and no one's around. I'll yeah, give it to you. For sure. <laughs> um, most underappreciated spice? I would say cumin mm. because people think it's very strong in flavor, but a little bit goes a long way. Mm -hmm. What is a secret in cooking that makes everything taste better? To do it while you're in a good mood and to do it with an open heart. <laughs> Because yeah. angry food tastes angry. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds like kooky and stuff like that. But a lot of times when I see a cook like upset or whatever, I'm always like, go wash your face, regroup and come back. Sometimes a good reset for myself is like when I'm like overworking a dish, like I want to get the scallop dish on the menu, but it's not coming out right. I just take two eggs 
and make perfect my version of perfect scrambled eggs for me to eat. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes that's a reset. Wow. But you got to take a moment because you really have to cook from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good one. Last minute meal you can throw together where you can experiment a little and not totally mess it up. I think it's like the pantry pasta round. Okay. Right? You get whatever you have in there, and then you, if you have anchovies, a little bit of lemon zest, some chili of some sort. If you have something fresh, like a pepper, or which I hate peppers. I don't know why I said that. But even like a tomato <laughs> and toss that together, that always works. Why do you hate peppers? I just, I don't know. They repeat on me. <laughs> Unless they're spicy, I don't find any, like bell peppers, I don't find use for. Aisha, thank you so much. This is such oh, a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to FT Weekend, the podcast from the Financial Times. Next Wednesday, we are talking with FT wine critic Jancis Robinson. Jancis is one of the world's top wine experts. She's been writing about wine for 45 years. She was actually on our show a few months ago. I've put a link to that episode in the show notes if you want to listen. She's a total legend. This time, she is coming on to help us navigate wine trends from orange wine to biodynamic wine to indigenous grapes. She's going to tell us what to explore and what to avoid. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and tag us or say hi on social. You can find us on Twitter at FTWeekendPod, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Lila Rapp. This show was produced by Molly Nugent, executive produced by Topher Forges and Cheryl Brumley, and engineered by Breen Turner and Sam Javinko, with original music by Metaphor Music. Special thanks to Alistair Mackey. It's summer, and you know what that means. It's time for a Plymouth gin and tonic. So grab yourself a glass and some ice. Start with a pourer of Plymouth Gin, which is distilled using a blend of seven botanicals. Add in some tonic, then finish with a slice of orange. Now that is the perfect gin and tonic. Plymouth Gin, distilled with care and craft in England since 1793.